0: Well, once again, man, welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel. We are so, so glad that you're here worshiping with us today. And uh, we're going to dive right back into God's Word today as we study it together. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and grab that. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're headed. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's a hardback black one somewhere there on the floor around you underneath the chairs. You can grab one of those and follow along there. We'd love for you to do that as well. Um, so this week, um, I want to kind of start with a question and just kind of ponder this, you don't have to necessarily answer out loud, but um, when you think about leadership or leaders, uh, what makes a good leader? When you think about good leaders in your life, you know, wherever that might be, work or home or organizations or church or whatever, like what qualities make them a good leader? Maybe you think of people who are uh, well-spoken or Uh, confident, Uh, maybe someone who seems to be successful at whatever they do, like they just get things done. Uh, Maybe it's that they're charismatic and they kind of have that personality that kind of sucks you in. Uh, Maybe it's uh, that they, you know, they look like a leader, like they have that leader look to them, whatever that is in your book. I don't know uh, what a leader looks like exactly, but sometimes I feel like we're drawn to people like that as well. Maybe it's the associations they have, like they're they're part of this organization or they're part of this group that is successful or does certain things well. um, Sometimes in our day and age, it seems like all you have to really do to be a leader is be like famous or rich or (laughs) whatever the thing is, right? And so um, these are the type of characteristics um, that our world uses to choose leaders, right? This is how we tend to put people in leadership is based on these types of things. Um, And unfortunately, I think too often we as the church fall into the same mindset of this is what good leaders always look like. This is the kind of leaders that we want, and this kind of people we try to put in positions of leadership in our life or our churches or whatever. Um, But unfortunately, that's not exactly the way the Bible talks about it. Okay, I wouldn't say unfortunately. Actually, it's a good thing. (laughs) But unfortunately for us, sometimes we fall into the world's idea of leadership rather than going after what the Bible teaches us about leadership. And... um, As a church, we need to choose our spiritual leaders based not just on results or what we see on the surface, but we need to assess leadership the way God assesses leadership, and that's based on character uh, more than results most of the time. And so um, God is much more concerned about the internal character of the person than the external performance of the person when he's looking at leaders and leadership. So with that in mind, Jesus is going to give us some teaching on this today about spiritual leaders in our life and how we can assess those and how we can put the right people in leadership for us. And so this is kind of the main idea today. Look for leaders who live like Jesus. Right? Look for leaders who live, that's the key word, right? who live like Jesus. So with that in mind, go ahead and look at Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 15. He says this, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. All right? So here's the first point Jesus is trying to make today. Approach slowly because looks can be deceiving. Approach slowly because looks can be deceiving. He starts off with this word, beware. Right? So this whole little section here is a warning that Jesus is giving. He's warning us about something. He's like, watch out for this. Beware of this. He says, beware of false prophets. So let's just kind of pause there for a second and do a little definition work here. Uh, What does he mean by false prophets? Well, in the Bible, a prophet, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, um, have two main roles, okay? Prophets both foretell and forth-tell. Two different words, foretell and forth-tell. Let me explain foretell is more what happened in the Old Testament oftentimes, where God would come and speak to the prophet and say, hey, go tell the people this, Uh, or tell them that this is going to happen, or predict that this is going to happen, or write down these new words from me for my people. And so foretelling is getting a new fresh word from God, either about the future or about something that he wants his people to know, and they wrote it down, and that became what we now have as our Bible, okay? The other job of a prophet is to foretell God's word. Right. Forth tell basically just means to take God's word and to proclaim it, to teach it, to preach it, to exhort one another in it, okay? And so it's taking what God has already said and relaying that and, and communicating that to other people. That's the second job of a prophet. Now, when we get into the New Testament era where we live today as the church, um, what we find is that the Bible tells us that it is complete, that God said that at the end of Revelation that that was the last thing he wanted written down and put into the book. And so the book is closed. We call it a closed canon. We don't add to it. We don't take away from it. This is God's set written revelation. Once that was set, it really made the 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 job of foretelling for the prophets no longer needed. Like it just really doesn't have much of a place anymore. But there are still t- today, I think, modern uh, day people who God has gifted as prophets, but their primary role is no longer to foretell things, but to foretell things. To take what God has already said and relay that to his people and teach them and guide them in his word. Okay, so there still are prophets today, but here Jesus is talking about false prophets. So that's pretty clear, right? So false prophets are prophets that aren't true prophets, true prophets of God. They're not from God. Whatever they're teaching, whatever power they might have or whatever things they might be doing or saying are coming from a source of power other than God. Are you tracking with me? All right. We have a couple of examples of this even in the New Testament as the church was first starting to form. Um, Acts 19, I'm not going to take time to read it right now, but it says there that the, the false teachers or prophets in this passage were being mastered by evil spirits. So the teaching, the power, the the miracles and stuff that they were doing was not from God, but was from the power of evil spirits or from Satan, basically. We see this again is going to happen at the end of the era in Revelation before Jesus comes back here, uh, or as he's coming back, it says that in Revelation 13, 11 through 14, that there will be a false prophet that rises up And is working for Satan and by his power to teach and lead people into false teaching. So there are false prophets out there that are proclaiming a truth and using a power other than this from God. And Jesus is saying, listen, you need to be careful with these types of leaders, these types of so called spiritual leaders. And so he's warning us about them. He says, they come to you in sheep's clothing, but they are actually ravenous wolves. So this is a really interesting kind of visual picture here. Like I kind of go back to like Looney Tunes and like Roadrunner or something like with the coyote and like putting the sheep thing, you know what I'm talking about, like over and like sneaking up, but way better than that, okay? He says, they come to you in sheep's clothing, so they look like sheep. And in the Bible, the, the idea of a sheep uh, is the idea of God's people, right, that, Oftentimes, we as God's people are referred to as the sheep, and he is the shepherd. He's leading us. He's caring for us. He's taking and uh, guiding us. So if we're the sheep, they say, he comes to you like a sheep. He looks like one of you. But inwardly, he's actually a ravenous wolf, the Bible says. Right? Wolves are predators, right? They're, they're ones who come to prey on the sheep, to steal the sheep, to attack and kill and maim the sheep. He says, he looks like one of you, but he's actually here to prey on you and to do evil uh, damage to you. And the key is here, I think the disguise picture is telling us that sometimes you, at first, you can't tell the difference. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference either at first or from a distance. We have to get in closer to understand and see the person's life before we really know is this really a sheep or not. So Jesus is giving us this warning here. Um, when Courtney and I were engaged, uh, we had went down to Bolivar one weekend to spend some time with some of my family, and we were uh, getting ready to close up and come on back. And but we all went out to eat at this little kind of little local restaurant down there that everybody was raving about. and Everybody loved. It was this little family-owned deal. So we go in. It's like this nice little restaurant. It's all country styled and you no know, family vibe to it. And like I was starving that day. And it's so, like the kind of starving where like everything on the menu looks good. You know what I'm talking about? Like I don't care. Just give me whatever comes out fastest, right? Like right now. So I ordered a, a burger and some fries. And they brought out. You know, they got it all cooked. And they brought it out. And it was this nice big thick burger and golden fries. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. And so I, I dive in. I just devour that thing. I'm like, that's exactly what I needed. That just hit the spot right there. And so we all kind of finish up our eating. We say our goodbyes. Courtney and I get in the car, and we start driving back to St. Louis, uh, a four-hour drive, and on the way back, um, my stomach just kept getting worse and worse, and you know what I'm talking about? Like, it just, and by the time we got back to St. Louis, we got back to my place, like, it was, it was bad, right? It was like like somebody had taken a hurricane and shook it up inside a soda bottle, and that was inside of me right now. And it wasn't long before it started coming out in all types of directions. Okay, like it was, it was really, really bad news. And I have never been so sick in all my life. I just felt like I was going to die that night. Um, and I sat there thinking, like, how could something so good, that looked so good, be so bad? Right? Like, do so much damage. and Because on the outside, it looked great. But evidently, inside, there was something not good with that meat. You know what I'm talking about? And it either wasn't cooked all the way or something wasn't. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Sometimes it looks really good on the outside. But you don't know what it's really like until you get to the inside, to the internal, not just the external picture. So he's warning us: don't, don't, uh, don't get drawn in just by the external. You need to approach slowly, so that you don't get lured into damage and destruction. So I think one of the things that's really helpful here, I, I want to do this. I'm, I'm going to kind of do this light. I got several different lists for you today. I'm just going to try to make this teaching super practical for you today, because I think we need some real handles to hold on this kind of thing. So this first one, I'm going to give you five types of modern false prophets. Five types of modern false prophets. But first, I want to give you two disclaimers before I do this, okay? Number 1, these are categories, okay? Not everyone in these categories is a false prophet. Some of them are good godly leaders who are teaching and leading God's people well, but some of them aren't. So we need to be aware of that, okay? That's the first disclaimer. The second one is those who end up being false prophets or leaders or teachers sometimes aren't always even aware that they are, and they haven't chosen it, and they're not purposefully doing it, but they have fallen into this role in various ways. That'll make more sense here in a second, I think. All right, so number one, the first category is celebrities of faith, okay? Oftentimes, we'll have celebrities in our world, whether it be actors or musicians or sports people or whatever that they come out and they'll make some statement about, oh, thank you so much. You know, all glory goes to the Lord or thank you, Jesus, for helping me. Or, like, and they'll say something that makes us think, okay, oh, they're a Christian. And then all of a sudden, like all the Christian people like lose their minds. They're like, did you know so-and-so is a Christian? Like, oh my gosh. And they get so excited about this like Christian celebrity and they start giving all this undue authority to this person that they never even really asked for probably. But we start thinking because they're famous, obviously they know stuff, and so I can trust them to give me spiritual advice or do like, and we start putting stock in what they think and what they say just because they say they love Jesus. So be careful that we don't put them in places where they're not really wanting or supposed to be. Um, I think that can get us into trouble. Number two is uh, spiritual guides. Spiritual guides are those um, spiritual leaders um, who have their own source of truth, Okay? They're not basing what they think or say on the Bible or on God's word. They have some other book they're going off of or their own ideas or their own thing. And they've come up to this new revelation of, oh my gosh, this is this great spiritual concept. And I'm going to share this with you. And I'm going to teach all these people. And they're leading people spiritually, but not towards God. They're actually leading people away from God. Okay? Because they're not rooting what they're saying in God's word. Spiritual guides Number three is three. Uh, is religious leaders, okay? When I say religious leaders, I mean religious leaders who are not evangelical Christian leaders, all right? There's some other religion. And I think it's really popular today in in our society uh, because we want to be so tolerant and inclusive that this teaching has come off as, well, we all believe in the same God. Yeah, we say it different, or you have a different name over here, or we do something a little bit different, but it's all the same God, and so we can all just do this thing together and worship and go in the same direction And the problem is it's just not true, Because the God that they're teaching doesn't line up with the God of the Bible. And so it's not the same God, And what's tricky about this is oftentimes they'll even use, certain religions will even use the same language, the same words, the same terms that we use like salvation or Jesus or God, but they define them differently. And they define them in a way that is not in line with what God's word says. So therefore, it's false teaching. It makes them false prophets. Number four, I hate to have to put this category on there, but I do. The fourth category is preachers. Okay, even those that we would consider or call Christian evangelical preachers. Um, sometimes um, there are those out there in, in, that talk a good talk, and they say all the right things, um, but their walk, their life, is not in line at all with what God's word actually is teaching. Um, as you get to know them personally or you get to see behind the veil. Um, a lot of times the, they get in this trap of the ministry or the thing is about me and about making me famous or me rich or my stuff and it leads into some things that are not of the Lord. So we have to be careful there as well. And then number five, uh, lay people or leaders. These can actually even come in the church just in the general congregation. Um, you'll see this occasion. We've Uh, even in church plants especially, where new people will come into the church and they immediately start pressing for uh, positions of authority. Like, I want to lead this ministry. I want to do this. I want to teach over here. Or maybe they're not pushing for an authority position, but they'll start having backdoor side conversations with everybody like, well, I don't know about this. The church says this, but I don't know if that's really true. And they start undermining the authority and the leadership that God has put in place in that local church. And what they're doing is they are, in subtle ways, promoting false teaching that goes against God's word. And even if it's not theologically false, it's false in the fact that God has called us to be a church that is unified and moving under the direction of the leadership that He has put in place. So we need to be careful that we don't even allow others to influence us in these ways from maybe un, um, unseen kind of backdoor ways as well. So, again, not everyone in those categories I'm saying is a false teacher. Please understand me, okay? But we need to be aware that some are. And some of them look like sheep, but they're actually wolves. And so Jesus says, approach slowly because looks can be deceiving. Approach slowly because looks can be deceiving. Remember, we're we're looking for leaders who live like Jesus, right? Not just look like Jesus from a distance, but live like Jesus. That's point number one. Point number two, look at verse 16. He goes on, he says, You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Point number two, assess closely the fruit of their life. He says here, you will recognize them by their fruit. So what does fruit even mean? Here's another metaphor here that Jesus is using. So what does he mean by fruit? Fruit is the external evidence of an internal life. Okay? Fruit is the external evidence, the behaviors, the actions, the speech, all the stuff that we can see of what's going on inside the heart over time, you can fake that kind of stuff for a while, right? You can fake behaviors. You can fake things for a while. But eventually, if you're around someone enough, their true character, their true heart is going to come out in the fruit of their life. And all the spouses said, amen, right? Okay. So like when you're around somebody more and all the time you see them, when nobody else sees them, you see things that come out that really shows who they are and what they're all about. And so just like real fruit in the world, spiritual fruit takes time. It takes time to grow, and it takes time to show to others. Right? You're not going to always going to be able to see it right off the bat. It's going to take some time of being with that person and around that person to see who they are and what they're really all about. So he says here, you'll recognize them by their fruit. And then he gives us kind of two guides to evaluate fruit and spiritual leaders. The first is the type of fruit, right? He says, you don't get grapes from thorn bushes and figs from whatever. You you get grapes from vines and figs from whatever figs grow on. I don't know. Okay, so like you get whatever the plant is, that's the type of fruit it produces. That's his point. If they're really a Christian, if they're really following Christ, guess what? They're going to produce Christ-like fruit. That's the type of fruit they're going to produce. If they're not producing that type of fruit, then we need to be careful. He doesn't just talk about the type, though he also talks about the quality of the fruit. He goes on to say, you don't get good fruit from bad trees and bad fruit from good trees, right? You get good fruit from good trees. So he's saying, hey, don't just measure the results. Don't just measure, is there fruit? But what kind of fruit? Is it good fruit or bad fruit? Right? Look at the quality not just the quantity of the fruit. Don't get hung up on just the numbers of the ministry or the people or the organization, but look at what is happening in the heart and in the lives of those that are involved. He goes on just to make it really clear. He says, listen, you cannot get good fruit from bad trees and bad bad fruit from good trees. You can't produce fruit not long-term, outside of the true heart and character of the person. You can't fake it for very long. That's what Jesus is saying. I think he's also making a point here that there is no middle ground. Notice he didn't he didn't be like, there's good fruit and there's bad fruit and then there's like the, the middle ground like day-old produce at the grocery store fruit. like There's not like a middle like half good, half bad fruit. There's good and there's bad. You're either with Jesus and you're making good fruit, or you're not with Jesus and you're making bad fruit. You got to pick a side. It's one or the other. There's no middle ground here. So if we're called here to test the fruit and to examine the fruit of spiritual leaders, how do we do that? Thankfully, the Bible gives us three specific ways to test the fruit of spiritual leaders that, again, I think is really practical and helpful. So the first test is this, the Christological test is what I'm going to call it, the Christological test, which basically just means um, that we're looking to see Jesus in them, Right. Here's what First John 4, 1 through 3 says. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Here's the test. This is how you know. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. So he says, here's the first test. Do they believe in Jesus? Do they say that Jesus was God, that he came from heaven to live a perfect life, to die a sinner's death on the cross in our place for our sin? Do they say that salvation is the only comes through him? Not through any other source, not through any other way, but it comes through Jesus alone. Do they say that he rose back from dead and that he is now God reigning over all of life and that we are submitted to him? Do they say that with their words? And more importantly, do they say that with their life? Do they profess and follow Jesus? That's the first test. And if you don't have that yet, if you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's the first step before you can even step into everything the Bible has for us and teaches us, right? It's not just about living a good life. It's about following and giving Ourselves over to a good Savior. So the first test is do they profess and teach Jesus? The second test is the theological test. The theological test comes from Deuteronomy 13 1 through 3. It says this If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and that sign or wonder that, te- that he tells you comes to pass, so he's saying basically, like, if somebody comes in there's like a supernatural thing, like a miracle or some, like a miraculous thing, and you're like, wow, man, look at their power. They must be from God, right? He says, if they do that, and then if he says, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. This test basically says this, impressive results do not necessarily prove the presence of God. This is really important in our day and age where there's all kinds of pictures and videos and stuff of of different men and women doing all these impressive healing things and, and prediction things and all this kind of stuff. Impressive results do not necessarily prove the presence of God. If after they do the magical thing or the supernatural thing or the miraculous thing, if after they do that, they're like, look, look how awesome that is. Come, follow me. Give me your money. Give me your attention. Give me your praise. That's a problem. If they do the miraculous thing and they're like, look, look how awesome it is. Now, you know who did that? He did. Give the glory to God. Give praise to him. Follow Jesus. This is all about him. It's not about me. It's about him. That's what we're looking for. When I make the power about me and my ministry and my world and my money and my whatever, my fame, that's not. Because now I'm making a God out of something that's not a God. The third test is the ethical test. Jeremiah 23, 9 through 15. I'm not going to read all of that, but this section of Scripture goes through and starts talking about how all these different prophets Uh, We're sinning and we're doing all these things against God and against God's word. And then it ends in verse 15 with this. It says, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with bitter food and give them poisoned water to drink. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone out into all the land. God's leaders have Christ-like character not just charisma, not just confidence, not just competence. They have Christ-like character. They live godly lives, not by their own power, okay? They're not perfect. They're not going to do everything right all the time. They're still going to sin and mess up. But when they do, they repent and they come back and they get their hearts right and they follow after Jesus. This test right here is the hardest test because it's the longest test. It takes time to show, and because it's the closest test. You have to be in close relationship with someone to really know where they're at in terms of their character and their heart and how they're dealing with sin in their life. For us to really test the fruit of a spiritual leader, godly leaders have to pass all three tests, right? It's not like pick one of the three. It's all three. They profess Jesus is Lord, right? They, they give all the glory to God through the power of their ministry and they're living lives and walking out day-to-day in relationships that look like Jesus. They get to a point where they can say, just as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. I always thought that was a really striking statement by Paul, right? Like, he's like, come and follow me. Not because of me, but because I look like Jesus. You can see what it looks like right here in my life, and so you can follow that, and you can, you can model yourself after that. That's what we need. Leaders that look like Jesus. There's a, an older movie about... Um, about the American president and his presidency and stuff. And and in this movie there's this one part where one of the, the political advisors comes to the president and is trying to convince him to start talking out more in the press because all of his like um you know, all the his political enemies, if you will, all those who are against him are, are claiming all this kind of they're like questioning his character and they're defaming his name and they're saying, you know, all this bad stuff about him and all this kind of thing. He's like, you need to stand up for yourself and you need to say something to them and and here's what here's what the quote was. He says The advisor says, People want leadership, Mr. President. And in the absence of genuine leadership, they'll listen to anyone who steps up to the microphone. They want leadership. They're so thirsty for it that they'll crawl through the desert toward a mirage. When they discover there's no water, they'll drink the sand. And the president very calmly and clearly responds People don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. People drink the sand because they don't know the difference. So many people today in our world are drinking sand instead of Jesus' living water because they don't know the difference. They don't know the Bible well enough to discern the difference between false teaching of man and true teaching of the Lord. We have to be able to discern the difference. And these tests help us do that. Jesus tells us to examine the fruit of a leader's life, not just the words of their mouth or the size of their ministry. The fruit of their life. Assess closely the fruit of their life, not just the breadth of their influence. We're looking for leaders who live like Jesus. Not just look like Jesus, not just talk like Jesus, but live like Jesus. The last part, look at verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire Thus, you will recognize their fruits. Last point this morning, point number three. Avoid carefully to bear good fruit for God's glory. Avoid carefully to bear good fruit for God's glory. Jesus says here again, he says, every tree, right? Again, no middle ground, right? Not, Not like some trees, no, no, every tree, that does not bear good fruit. What is good fruit? Christ-like fruit, right? Every tree that does not bear good fruit, that is the description of a false leader, a false teacher, a false prophet. Their life does not bear good Christ-like fruit. And because of it, false leaders lead people to false fruit. This is one of the greatest dangers of listening to and following false teacher or leader is that they're going to lead you to the same false fruit in your life that they have in their life. And he says, everyone who does not bear good fruit, both the leaders and unfortunately their followers, will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That they will lead, they will, it will lead them to a life of destruction to death the fire there the picture is the picture of hell because the wrath of god is coming down on those who are false and are not proclaiming him and following him i think sometimes the ripple effect of false teaching is almost just as bad as the actual teacher themselves and so just one more list real, quickly here for you. I know there's like a lot of lists today, all right? Just bear with me. But I just, I just want this to be really helpful and practical to you guys today. Five results of false teaching. Five results of false teaching. Straight from God's word. Number one is destruction. We just saw that in verse 19. Last week when we studied uh, the wide and the narrow roads, remember the wide road led to destruction, right? That's where false teachers are leading people is down that wide road to destruction. So that's the first result. the second result is that they tear down faith. 2 Timothy 2.18 says, False teachers who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened, when it hasn't, they are upsetting the faith of some. So that by teaching things that aren't true according to God's word, that they're upsetting, they are tearing down the faith of God's people, or those who are trying to follow God. God because of the false teaching. It's destroying their faith. Number three is divisiveness. See this a lot in the church uh, when this happens. First Timothy six, four through five, talking about a false teacher says, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. When someone comes in and they start teaching things that are contrary to God's word, it creates division and dissension and strife in the, God, in the body of Christ because you've got one group of people that's trying to follow God's word and listen to God's word and study God's word, and then you've got another group that are being led away by this false teacher and it creates this divisiveness, Number four, it's quarrels. 2 Timothy two twenty three, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. That's what false teaching is. Foolish, ignorant controversies. It says, have nothing to do with that. You know that they breed quarrels. And people start infighting and going after each other just because of that. Number five, last one, is ungodliness. Ungodliness. 2 Timothy 2, 16. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Again, false teaching, irreverent babble. It leads people to put their stock in something other than Jesus and following and modeling after him. And it leads to ungodliness. So he says you will recognize them by their fruits. He's repeated that twice now. That's, his, that's kind of his closing line, right? You'll recognize them by their fruits. He's recapping for us. It's like, listen, watch closely, right? Test the fruit of their life and then respond accordingly. Sometimes the way we need to respond to spiritual leaders, false teachers in our lives, in the church, in the world, is to avoid it kind of depends on the level to which they are engaged in false teaching. And so it might look like you need to avoid supporting them. If they have things in their life or the ministry that are questionable, if they're really vague about how they handle things, or if it's a bunch of hype around what they're teaching or whatever, and it's not much substance to the Bible, like, you probably need to avoid supporting that and propagating that and spreading that around Facebook or whatever. Like, Just be careful with that. The second one is avoiding influence. Um, If the theology is kind of the the next level up, if the theology is hit and miss, and like some things they seem to be good on, some things like, I don't think that lines up with the Bible, and or if they're really surface level in all their relationships, and they want to keep people kind of at a distance, and not really let anybody in close, you need to avoid influence from that person. Don't let them influence you spiritually, because they're going to lead you down a bad path. And then lastly, the, kind of the top level is if you know for sure that, that what they're teaching, what they're saying is heretical, all right? if it's against God's word completely, if it's toxic, if, if their relationships are abusive or secretive, you need to avoid association with that altogether. Okay? Now, please hear my heart on this last point here because I, I want this to be really clear. When I talk about avoidance, we avoid not out of condemnation of the teacher, but out of commitment to glorify God. I'm not here trying to throw stones at any other preacher or any other church or ministry this morning. I'm not trying. That's not my job. God's a big God. Amen. He can handle anybody he wants to handle. Okay. It's not Micah's job to go and figure out all the false teachers and tear them down. My job is to stay true to God's word, and your job is to stay true to God's word, and to not allow ourselves to be influenced by false teaching, so that it would detract from our lives, bringing the most glory to God possible. That's the reason we avoid false teaching, is so that we are online lining ourselves up with the most uh, we can with God's word and his glory. I remember when I was young, I was kind of first getting into ministry, and I was um, starting to kind of really grow my faith and ministry I, I started listening to lots of different preachers and pastors and just kind of learning from them and I remember early on there was like five guys or like five young pastors that I really liked to listen to. They were kind of up and coming guys and they, they just kind of were really speaking to the, kind of a new generation and they had churches that were growing and it looked like God was blessing their ministries and I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. I want to be like these guys. I want to emulate what they're doing and, and follow and you know, learn from them. and um, However, over time, Unfortunately, their, their true hearts and their true character and their true motivations started to show through. And now I'm looking back 15 years later, and, and one of them um, is has, his theology drifted further and further and further away from God's Word to the point where he's no longer even a Christian pastor. He's now a spiritual guide that is doing some new age type of teaching and so on and so forth. Um, two of them uh, disqualified themselves from ministry because of ungodly character that came to light in their lives and they actually end up losing their churches. Um, One of them, uh, the fourth one is still leading his church, uh, but the more I see and hear coming out of his teaching, it seems like it's a lot more about him and his ministry and his fame than it is about God and God's glory, which again makes me just kind of push away a little bit. Um, One, one out of the five is still faithfully preaching the gospel and leading his church and And sure, he's had sin and he's had mistakes, and I've heard him confess those publicly. I've heard him repent of those. I've heard him grow in godliness in the midst of working in ministry rather than hiding and covering and running away from those types of things. And God's still blessing his ministry 15 years later, and they're still growing in some really great ways. And so I point all that out just, again, not to throw stones, but just to say, listen, we have to be careful who we follow. We have to be careful who we're giving spiritual influence to in our lives. If I had dug all in with some of those guys and, and, and really got in with their ministries and fought, like, who knows what would have happened to me today? Who knows where my ministry would be, where my marriage would be, where my where my own faith would be. Like, I don't even know. Right? It probably wouldn't have been good. But if we stay close to God's word and we talk and our main purpose is not following some person, but lining ourselves up lining our lives up with people who look like Jesus so we can come to look more like Jesus, that's going to glorify God. That's going to bring him the most honor and glory and praise in our lives. No man, no woman is perfect. Right? We're all broken sinners, self-included But God gave us spiritual leaders for a reason, so we do want to follow, but we want to follow as long as they look like Jesus. And when they stop looking like Jesus, then we need to to step away from that, okay? Avoid carefully false leaders to bear good fruit for God's glory. Avoid carefully false leaders to bear good fruit for God's glory. Again, look for leaders who live like Jesus. So as we kind of pull to a close here today, who are your spiritual leaders in your life? Just think about this for a second. Who are the spiritual leaders in your life? Who's influencing your spiritual growth on a regular basis? Maybe it's family. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's your small group leader. Maybe it's you know, church leaders or pastors, whether they be local pastors or pastors from a distance, like through TV or radio or podcasts or whatever, like who's influencing you spiritually? And then think about this question, number two. Think about how much influence they have on you versus how much you know about the fruit of their life. Okay? I'm not saying they're good or bad. I'm just saying how much influence are you giving them over your life spiritually spiritually? without knowing the true fruit of what God's doing in their lives and in their character. I should give the most spiritual influence in my life to those that I can see show the most Christ-like fruit. We need to be careful where we're giving our influence to. So I just want you to think about as you leave today, how do I need to adjust the spiritual influences in my life to line up with Those I know are showing Christ-like fruit. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray. And we're going to sing a song of response. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you, God, that, that your word is so clear. Or that it is so practical for us. Or that it gives us straightforward communication of this is how to do it. This is what I want done. This is how you know who the spiritual leaders are and who they aren't. Lord, help us to look to you for wisdom and discernment and guidance, as you are the only all-knowing, perfect God. Help us look closely and to see clearly who you have put in our lives to lead us to Jesus. And help us not to be swayed by names or numbers or popularity or flash Or whatever. Lord, show us spiritual leaders who live like you and help us to follow them faithfully. Most of all, Lord, we recognize, we confess, Lord, that the leader that we need first and foremost in our lives is not a man or a woman, it's Jesus. Lead us to those who will show us Jesus. Lord, that is enough. You are enough. We want more of you today. Christ, and we pray.